Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include Nature Facts as it pertains to mortgages, My interview with Stratmore partner Garth Graham on tech trends and adoption of tech solutions, and reaction to inflation heading in the wrong direction. Nature is full of trivia. The moon moves about two inches away from the Earth each year. The Earth gets 100 tons heavier every day due to falling space dust. The climate, obviously, is part of nature. Climate and natural disasters impact our clients, people, insurance premiums, the value of servicing in areas prone to hurricanes, flooding, forest fires, and earthquakes, etc. A certain portion of those events, and the number is increasing, are determined by FEMA to be natural disasters, and last year 3.4 million adults in the U.S. were at one point or another forced to evacuate their homes due to one, according to the Census Bureau. Approximately 1.4% of the American adult population. That's a lot higher than historical averages, up to 800,000 on average for the years between 2008 and 2021. 12% were people displaced for over six months, and 16% were adults who never returned home. The Mortgage Bankers Association's Research Institute for Housing America has published a collection of essays on climate risk in the housing market. It was developed in response to the growing interest from industry participants on how various issues were connected to climate risk. The study features four essays from industry experts that focus on top-line issues related to climate risk and its impact on the housing market. For the link to that story, as well as the latest employment opportunities, lender and broker products, software, and services, visit robchrisman.com. Thanks to the Stratmore Group, the data-driven mortgage advisory. At Stratmore, insights and knowledge are applied to guide mortgage clients to make sound strategic decisions and take actions that improve their success. Speaking of which, for today's interview, I wanted to welcome back to the show partner Garth Graham to talk about tech trends and adoption of tech solutions. After ignoring you like a unsavory ex the last 23 months, we've we've hit it back off with a bang here. And this will this will be our third session that we've done. Uh we started out talking MA and then we switched to uh the the purchase market and what's going on there. Today I want to talk about tech a little bit. Uh what are the latest trends you're you're seeing there? What what's going on? Yeah, so uh as tough as it is for a mortgage lender, it is tougher for a mortgage vendor. And the reason is that most of our technology in our industry is success-based. And um, to give you a number that really illustrates this, in 2021, there were 13 and a half million mortgage transactions done. And most of the technology is is a success base. So you might have paid 150 for your LOS and 50 for your POS and $20 for your CRM, you know, $10 for your docs, add it all up. You add up all that and multiply it times 13 and a half million. Last year, 2022, it was 5 million. This year, the forecast is four and a half million transactions. So what's happening with tech is the revenue is dropping like a rock because most of the revenue in our space is tied to transaction volume, which is going down. Now, you, you you could easily say, well, hell, the same thing's happening for loan officers, right? Well, yes, but a loan officer, the increase in the average loan amount in the form of volume 
they are paid on basis points. So they are sort of helped by the fact we have average loan amounts at 350 or higher, when only, you know, a few years ago it was under 300. That has helped buffer some of the impact on the bottom line. The tech vendors don't have that advantage. So that's the highlight. It's rough. Um, The second thing that's happening is, and in a previous session, Robbie, we talked about the very low conversion from inquiry to funding because so many, you know, 28 million people want to buy a home, but probably only 3 million will in the next year. Um, What that's done is a lot of lenders are beginning to curtail some of the services they normally would do early in the process and know that they will be covered once they close the loan, such as credit. And this is before you even get into the fact that, you know, credit is costs have gone up. But, you know, let's start taking some of the features out of the technology because I just want to talk to this customer because they're so valuable. So they start to to reduce the reliance on self-serve digital technologies because a lot of them implemented some of those digital technologies because they were at capacity. So that's the other sort of trend. So those are two painful parts. Now, do you want the highlight? Yeah, good sure, news? Why, sure. Why so here's the, here's the good news. We're at $11,000 of funded loan. That's horrible. That is the highest it's ever been. Only about 5 to 10% of that is technology. That doesn't make any sense. So we are spending still very little money as an industry on tech and a staggering amount of money on people. And we're struggling with the weight of the people part of our expense base. So if there is technology that meaningfully gives you the ability to drive up your revenue in incremental volume or drive down your expense in efficiency, it absolutely positively will pay for itself. So it's, it's going to be, you know, quote, less volume overall from a technology perspective, but there's a serious opportunity for the right technology to move the needle and benefit lenders in a meaningful way. I'm very glad you made that point because I I feel like I've kind of been beating the drum for the last couple of years here that as the adoption of uh, you know technology and the the digitization of the mortgage process increases that should help lower these costs in yeah. theory. I have a lot of people on this podcast that that have their own self-serving purposes for the tech companies they're working for and they'll either say mm-hmm. our our solution is a uh, best of breed, and that's the way to go, or, or it'll be a, a company that has a, a vertically integrated tech stack and say, oh, you know, getting the different tech pieces to play nice with each other from the same company is the way to go. What's your take on adoption of tech? What's the best way to go about it for companies out there? Well, so th- there is no single answer for that one. And we do a lot of work with lenders. Um, we use a various tech, and we use a lot, we work with a lot of the tech vendors as well. In fact, we do tech procurement. So lenders who say, hey, I'm interested in the tech to solve this problem. What's out there? We do that type of work. So we certainly see all of the above. I will tell you this. We consistently see, and we actually have a digital survey if anybody's interested in it. um, We'll go ahead and be sure that you have the information so that they can get a copy of it. The digital survey illustrates the dramatic difference in adoption of technology between lenders. 
So we see lenders who will implement the identical solution from, let's say, a best three component or one of the vertically integrated, who might get a 10% adoption, and another lender might get a 50% adoption of that particular feature. How can that be? Well, the reason is people and process. So the, the one with the high adoption means they train their people on it. They may motivate their people to use it. They may incent them to use it. They give them a value proposition on why they should use it. They give them marketing pieces to encourage consumers to use it. And then they have change management initiatives internally to ensure that it's being used. Everybody internally knows why it's being used. And you don't go back to your old ways. So that it is not just a vendor issue. It is really a a people processing tech. The vendor is just part of that. Let's say the tech part of that. The people and process in order to drive the adoption is what is required in order to get the return on that investment. You mentioned earlier that tech spend accounts for about 10% of the, the total cost of origination. But I'd like to ask you, are, are people spending more on tech or on services? Some of the services are, are pass-through expenses let's say credit or something like that. The issue where the service cost balloons is when suddenly your pull-through drops. That was the illustration I'd, I'd made in you know previous conversation, which is that when the pull-through drops significantly, suddenly the cost of those services goes up because you might pull credit on 100 and close one, and suddenly that's a very expensive. So overall, the services associated with the loan are higher and they especially balloon when you can't pass it on to the consumer in the form of closing. So I think it's a that's a tough one to answer because that, you know, like many things, pull through factors into it. And as somebody, you know, in the capital markets industry, you'd understand that why pull through is an important part of a, a big part of the the uh, profit equation for lenders. It's a tough time in the industry, as we know. I I just lost my gym membership and my my parking pass and my daily lunch stipend at, at my day job, and I'm I'm sure it's worse for a lot of people out there in the industry than uh, what what I'm going through. But how how should lenders think about the spend on tech or on services and and uh, the I guess the return on investment there? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the the keys is. If you're going to invest in technology or if you're looking at the technology investments and tech solutions you've already got, which, by the way, lenders are doing both. It isn't just what, what's new. It's also what am I currently spending on? Be sure to put a very sharp focus on what you can do internally to make it work better. Do not assume that a tech solves a problem if you don't have the people and process necessary to drive that value. Once again, the example I give you of the dramatic difference you might get in adoption with these same technologies. So it is a real shame to start cutting your tech expense and uh, rather than maybe doubling down on your change management and your process and try to wring out some benefits from the tech investments you've already made. So it's, you know, once again, the vast majority of our expense, 60% of the tech, of our expense stack of that 11,000, 65% is people. And most of that, frankly, is sales. And then, um, you know, 10 to 15, 10%, let's say, is tech. And then you got occupancy and services and some other items. Um, 
benefits and things like that. So, you know, is saying, hey, I'm going to be profitable by cutting technology, it just inherently doesn't make a lot of sense to me because it's such a small ex- expense. Um, of course, not many lenders want to be the first to say, I'm going to save money by cutting commissions. But at some point, <laughs> lenders are going to have to address it. And, you know, if you have a really good and efficient process and really slick technology, could you pay your salespeople maybe a little less? I think you can. And there are lenders who do. The really, really well-run lenders don't tend not to pay more. They tend to pay less and they manage to keep very high producers or, or build really good teams because they've got good, um, you know, a good process and good technology and, you know, they manage their people well. So I just, you know, trying to cut 10% of your budget, you know, doesn't make a ton of a sense. Well, you, you started down the path of the, the logical next question for me to ask. And yeah. that is at what point do these salaries start to come down? Because, you know, if we look at sports as an example, if there's a free agency market, people are going to go to the highest bidder and you're going right. to get, you know, to a, to a very large extent, the most talented individuals are going to follow the best compensation packages. So, uh, I mean, maybe the, the logical solution is that your tech stack gets so slick that you, you can plug and play with people and they matter less, but this will, the mortgage industry will always be relationship based. So how do you see those costs, of people actually coming down? We do have some inflated compensation numbers. I started, by the way, as a loan officer. So, and luckily we're not doing this face to face. So those people who want to shoot arrows at me can do it, you know, um, yeah, virtually, but I start as a loan officer, so I understand the you know retail compensation. I understand how difficult the job is, but we generally have been increasing compensation at the pace of the average increase in home values because we pay basis points. You know, it's not perfect one to one, but it's the same thing. A mortgage banker will be very quick to say, "I can't believe realtors make six percent when the average sales price is double in value." And I sort of look at them like, it's ironic you make that observation. You don't make 6%, you make 1%, but it's the same math, right? So, you know, at some point, lenders are going to have to begin to, you know, focus on that. We are seeing a decrease in the number of loan officers, active loan officers in our industry, you know, roughly 80,000, and there were over 100,000 at the peak last year. So we're already seeing 20% drop. And in some markets, we're seeing it even more than that. The trick there is the av- right now still as an industry, 80% of the volume is done by 40% of the LOs. So the, it's hard to drop compensation on high producers. So it is a, the exact metaphor you uh, just asked me about, which is the free agent. That is the coveted free agent, right? So, you know, the high producer tends to demand and make those higher commissions. I will say, though, that the average attrition rate of the top 20% of loan originators is less than 10%. So they don't move around the lock. So once again, the free agent, you know, it might be the headline, but it's not that every player is a free agent. And it's not that every LO leaves when he he or she has achieved success with their team at their existing lender. I do think, though, the best lenders who build good PP process and tech have a good culture and value their people. 
generally do not have to pay as much. And then they can begin to drop and thus have a lower cost per unit overall. The one thing I will say is certainly the underwriting cost is the other. That was bid up substantially during the capacity cycles of 2020 and 2021. That's coming down. You know, the trick there, though, is we also are doing a lot more loans that require underwriting. So the demand, the demand for underwriters is not going down as much. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, streamline all the streamlined refinances are gone, less property inspection waivers. So, you know, you still need underwriters. And in fact, in a purchase cycle, you, you know, you need them more. So as much as your volume has gone down, you can't cut too much of your underwriting staff because they're still heavily valued in a purchase market. Well put. Garth, I'm a fool for not having you on basically the last two years. This this was uh, very informative and, and uh, it's always a pleasure talking to you. So hopefully I'll see you out at a conference soon and uh, hopefully I'll have you back on the podcast uh, sometime later this year. Yeah, I will say that is the one piece because I do a lot of public speaking. I can also say that it's changed. And at the end, coming out of COVID, I got excited about going on the road. And boy, I said yes a lot. So I am speaking by the end of March. I think it'll be 10 times. So, you know, I'm getting uh, I'm getting out there on the circuit. So I look forward to seeing you. Sounds good. Well, uh, save, save your voice for that. And uh, hope you have a, a great rest of your day. All right. Thank you. Earlier this week, we learned that inflation at the consumer level was still stronger than the Federal Reserve would like for a stable U.S. economy. Yesterday, we learned that inflation at the wholesale level grew at the fastest rate since last June, coming in at 0.7% month over month when it was expected in at only 0.4% month over month. Couple that with an upward revision to the December reading to negative 0.2% from negative 0.5%, and it's not great, according to the producer price index. This was after two months of declines in November and December. Energy costs were the big driver, and between the jobs report, CPI, retail sales, and PPI, it's evident that growth actually accelerated for the U.S. economy in January. As a result, the March Fed funds futures see an 85% chance for a 25 base point hike and a 15% chance for a 50 basis point hike. Ahead of the holiday and market closure on Monday, just, there will be no podcast, don't go looking for it. Today's calendar includes minor numbers like import and export prices for January and leading indicators for January. Two Fed speakers are currently scheduled, starting with Richmond's Barkin, who will be followed by Fed Governor Bowman. We begin the day with agency MBS prices worse than eighth to a quarter, and the 10-year yielding 3.89 after closing yesterday at 3.84%. The two-year yield is up to 4.69%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. I'm not a fan of elevator music. It's bad on so many levels. But um <laughs> Thanks again to today's podcast sponsor, the Stratmore Group, the data-driven mortgage advisory. At Stratmore, insights and knowledge are applied to guide mortgage clients to make sound strategic decisions and take actions that improve their success. To learn more, visit stratmoregroup.com. Questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities? Send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.